Enter New R Presents. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern, Episode 22. Message for you, sir. This episode was recorded live at twitch.tv slash lantern noir. Good afternoon. It is Tuesday. It is five o'clock. That means Gray and I are off the clock and onto a bar stool in our appropriate bar of choice, still socially distanced for both geographic and epidemiological reasons. But we're still having a happy hour at the Old Timer Tavern. If you'll notice the fancy new logo to set us apart from the average Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, my name is Rob, aka Lantern Noir. Um, I stream irregularly and mostly D&D content these days. And with me is the amazing Graybeard or Graybeard Tavern. And uh, I variety stream on Sunday mornings, um, do this talk show, and I'm over on Indoor Adventures on Thursday nights. How has that been going for you? Uh, good. We did our, uh, I always forget what it's called, Paramount episode last Thursday. <gasps> this is the finale. And then I think we, we're taking a week off and then we're coming back with City of Mists. Um, so that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. It's a new uh, newer uh, game system. We decided that we were going to take our month game, our monthly game, and we were going to do like a 10 episode arc um, that uh, I'll be GMing. Um <laughs> Yeah, I've been GMing the the once a month, but it's been a completely improv show. So now I actually have to do a story arc, which I suppose I've got two weeks to come up with. So I should probably do that. Though I guess I'll ask the players and see if they want to continue with the uh, completely improvised things. Because it was, I mean, it was sometimes it would be like, hey, tonight, guys, you know, you're not going to be in it and you're not going to be in it. You've got to come up with new characters that were in this other character's life in the 1700s because we're going back in time. Dun, dun, dun. And, and so, yeah, so literally they would have like an hour to get their shite together, you know, before before the game to be like, OK, I'm going to be, you know, Rasputin. Um <laughs> Or <laughs> Baba Yaga, or King Arthur. <laughs> oh, we're, we're we're swinging for the fences then, huh? Oh, dude, it was it, yeah. It's been it has been a wild, a really wild and fun ride. We uh, they uh, they stopped an evil gnome who was going to be the the impetus of World War Two um, and the rise of the Nazis. Um, <sighs> And, uh, okay, so... It always first, goes back to the Nazis. It always goes back to the Nazis. When, when, when we first started, I did a lot of... Uh, uh, I did a lot of scene change and stuff. Um, so, like, at one point, I had the big chair. I used to have a really big chair. And I had the big chair turned around. And when we came back from break, I pulled the pulled the cover off the camera, and all they saw was the back of the chair. And we 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 had stopped on a cliffhanger, and and when I turned the chair around, <laughs> I have a four foot gnome. I have a four foot gnome that was sitting in the chair, you know, with this <laughs> dead like gnome eyes type thing. And then I gave him the little, you know, Nazi voice. 
of like uh, Herzog, you know, kind of thing. And so then they had to deal with this gnome and they ended up burning down the library to stop the, the spread of his little red books of, of uh, Nazi propaganda. And I, it's just, it's always been, I always say it's like, it's like dark shadows, the last episode of the prisoner and uh, like, like supernatural Hellboy, all sort of like put in a blender and, you know, uh, pureed, you know, until it's just a, uh, uh, yeah, exactly, until it's a paste. So, gotcha. Well, welcome to the, the, the show, Aaron Tier. Good to have you here in the audience chat hanging out. We love it when people come and join us with questions or thoughts, especially when we have a dedicated uh, mailbag show where we're going to be kind of going through our mailbag and seeing what comes up. Um, last week we, we, for me, I, we actually wrapped up our candle keep story and we have put it on hiatus for the next three weeks. So one of my players is going to settle in Sweden. Um, she is still, okay. So she got, she, she requested an expedited passport and they told her six to eight weeks. She's on like week 14 now and doesn't have it. Um, and so she can't even apply for her visa until she has the passport. So she's been, hopefully she'll be settled before our three week hiatus is up. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really, really emotional, um, episode partially because we knew it was like the end for a while. Right. Um, they, they had a lot of debate, a lot of discussion. They got back, they tracked down the hag. Um, mm -hmm. They were prepared. They they were really. I almost had them willing to carry the hags pendant into the prime material plane <laughs> um, as a way to control the demons and keep them from infecting everyone. And mm -hmm. and uh, Lenarius, who's playing Jansen, was like, "No, I don't trust. Uh, no, no, I'm not doing. It. I'm not doing it." And that's when I'm like, "Okay, it's time for the hags monologue. We're just gonna kill them now." And I got like I got like my first eight strides into the monologue, and I'm I'm now like leaning into the sprint part of the monologue, and, mm -hmm. and Molly leans and goes, "I shoot her with my crossbow." <laughs> God bless America. Straight straight from gamers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sly dog. You caught me monologuing. <laughs> um. But yeah. So that was uh, Wednesday. Um. Saturday. Did I game on Saturday? I thought I did something on Saturday. Um, mm. And uh, we I did get together with a um, Friday. We got, I got together with a, a real life friend. We had another board game evening. Oh, again, nice. it's, so, it's so neat to feel some normalcy again. And then my what? Sunday night game got canceled oh. because we had um, two of our, one of our players got, was really sick. So we yes, played, saw that. we played Mech Warrior. Oh, nice. Mech Warrior nice. 5. And I know it's not D&D, but I got to tell you, yeah. I, I saw the sunrise many a morning because I kept telling myself I'll go to bed after one more mission <laughs> back in the day. Uh huh. And, uh, and I rem I remember that. And then last night was really fun because we're, we're prepping for this coming Saturday and I got a chance to stream with that other pond and she's a phenomenal content creator and she's been building a D and D campaign for like the last three months for mm. her and all of her friends that came over from mixer. Yeah, and they just yeah, haven't yeah. like locked in when they're going to do it. So she's doing a lot of campaign building on stream, which is a great way to double dip. You know, if you're going to be right, doing right. the work, you may as well like talk yourself through. It's a lot of fun. So she and I made pre gens for for Saturday. Yeah. So that was well, you, my week. And you never know what what you know when it is a completely different soup when you're when you're doing that kind of prep 
live because you never know what idea is going to come from wherever, yes. you know, it just sparks something and you go off at another whole timeline. Um, so my hair is so silky smooth that yeah. my headphones are like winging off them, uh, winging off it. Uh, I need a haircut so bad. Um, yeah, I hear you. So if next week, if, if we come on and I'm, my head is just buzzed, you know that uh, I didn't get my air conditioning fixed this week. Anyway, um, so we did have our we did have our grognard uh, game on Saturday night. It was oh, the first yeah. one, it was first one in a couple weeks, a few weeks, and. Um, uh really good we're we're getting kind of to the end of a story arc they um they found a a medical um like a cryo chamber with a like a 10 year old girl in it and it was, one in does. This, it was in this debris and all this and they, she's got some weird mysteries around her and the cliffhanger that that ended the last session and started this session was uh, the little girl standing there, hey, like rubbing her eye and saying, "Where's the bathroom?" And 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 them all like, <gasps> and <laughs> like one, uh, uh, my bro, he, he's he's playing he's playing a little weasel person who's a bounty hunter, and he's like, "Ah, she's gonna bite your face off," you know. And he's always say every time, like every episode, some alien or if anything's weird. He, he immediately says, it's going to chew your face off and, 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 you know, draws his gun and blam, blam, pew, pew type thing. So, of course, everybody else was like completely waiting for him to just do the crossbow thing. Like you said, <laughs> just draw his guns and, and shoot the little girl. And it was just and um, but yeah, it was it was good. It was a really great episode. We had a lot of fun with it. And um, yeah, I, I cannot wait. Uh, within two episodes, we should. Uh, should should be wrapping that storyline up. Hello, Mr. Killian23. Well, again, also glad to have you over here joining us. Uh, Mr. Killian, if I remember correctly, is one of the mods over at the Raven Armed and also a D&Der himself. So it'll be interesting to see how this all this all plays out this week. And I'm starting to get my butterflies. I'll talk about that on the back end of things <laughs> uh, about it because it's one of those. I feel like it's a high pressure one shot. One shots are either who cares what happens or I only get one opportunity with these players. I have to make it count. Yes. Um, that's yeah. why when I did this at the, uh, at UConn in, um, a couple of years ago, I had that same, like, I don't, anyone who signs up to play a Ravenloft at a convention probably has never played it. So mm. this will be their, their exposure to it. I can't blow it. Right, 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 right. They, they, you, you, Go ahead. Their their first experience with Ravenloft, and you want to like hook for life, you know? So yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. I get it. Yeah. So we had a okay. So we had a couple of things come through Twitter more than our mailbag, but you can for those that want to be part of the stream or want uh, part of the podcast and want to bring in sending questions, um, you are welcome to hit either of us at Lantern Noir or at Greybeard Tavern on the Twitter. Uh, we are always open to ideas for things to explore. You can also email us at oldtimertavern at gmail.com. And if you want to include a question as part of your review on Apple Podcasts or other podcast platforms of choice, uh, we will happily take a peek at those uh, as time allows. Um, and we may even send you, if you uh, leave the review and let us know how to track you down through one of those other platforms, we have stickers. 
I do not mind dropping those in the mail um, as a thank you. It doesn't not even for a five, just, just for leaving us the review to make it a little easier for people to find our show. So the question you found, let me see if I can, I found it and I lost it, but I recall the, the essence of it. All right. And it, I, uh, oh. I was just getting the knight's blade out for our good friend so he can, you know, get thirst is, uh, Quenches thirst for blood. Yeah. Upon the blade, a shiny sticker. I, we give them away off. I'll do them a lot with the D and D shows too. If we get a large enough audience to justify the giveaway, I fire it off. Um, <laughs> this it has to be enough to make it fun. Um, but the question was, and it's like a lot of hypotheticals people throw at. Well, thank you for that. Ear, we're glad to have your support at the stream. <laughs> um, a lot of these hypotheticals that get fired off. Eighteen gift subs. You really, you are like the MVP around here, my friend. You, you want me to give him a, a bell ring? Give him for a bell it? ring. All right. Bell ring uh, for that? Yeah. Sometimes we do a little thing where I take this mall and I hit that guy in the face. Just for you. That's a Thank you. Sound. Like a lot of hypotheticals, people throw at DMs. It's the, how would you handle this wish? Ah, yes. And, and my first answer is usually, uh, don't give players wishes. <laughs> um, but the wish was player gets wish and he wishes for there to be no more clerics. What do you do? And how does that factor in to um, the world, the, the game, if you have a uh, cleric player character? Right. So, um, yeah, the... <laughs> it it would be interesting because I would either ask the table or I would I I would suggest something like I would say okay guys this is what I want to do with this um because you know me I'm all about it's our story kind of deal um uh, I mean back in the old days I would just freak out and run with it but uh my idea would be okay do the gods still exist and just the clerics are gone or i mean is religion just gone is there no no religion it just goes away or is it the clerics themselves are no longer cleric classes they're just priests and i would kind of juggle that around now my personal favorite would be would be if the gods still existed but the clerics were all gone and and so all the churches everything was gone but the gods were like what the what just happened <laughs> you know like they were cut off from the the existence the prime material whatever suddenly and um yeah so i think that that would be that would be a, a fun one to run with and then have the gods trying to you know so every deity would be that that ancient lost deity trying to come back to the world. And so they would be, you know, trying to find avatars or, or old texts or trying to inter intersect or, or weevil their way back into the world. And I think, I think that would be a, an interesting time of chaos kind of uh, way to uh, explore that, um, that, that uh, paradigm. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think a lot of it comes down to how you handle the how you're handling gods in your universe mm -hmm. because if you have very hands-on gods 
Like my, my wife played a campaign in college where the gods were like super hands-on-y, like mm. having personal meetings with clerics all the time. Yeah. Um, wiping clerics out is like just what gonk that completely like you have to address what what happened to the gods right as part of this and the thing that i think is interesting with wish spells is i don't think wishes necessarily have to be in the form of i wished it and then it happened Mm -hmm. as much as i wished it and then over time it (laughs) happened (laughs) So like I I you know I think just just having had a little more time to muse on it I would probably say something like okay you make your wish and nothing appears to have changed <laughs> and then let the gods maybe be the ones to take a few steps back so that people start to lose faith and in that that act you know that you have fewer and fewer of the faithful up until the moment where you you don't have gods and have clerics anymore because there is no faith in the gods and no yeah. one to lead in it. The only twist to that, and maybe this is a product of human behavior, humans don't exist long as atheists. Uh, humanity as a, as a thing doesn't not have some form of faith system because as good as science is, and this is what, the way I look at it, science is often great about the what mm. and the how. Yeah but not a lot on why. And and faith usually seems to fill that gap. We know these things happen. Why? Well, because this happened. How did it happen? Well, these things triggered it. But what does it mean for the universe at large? Mm. You know, we, we, we developed opposable thumbs. So now what? Mm. Like, why do we have opposable thumbs? And faith tends to be really good at filling that gap, which means I don't, I, I really would struggle with a world where it's like, there's no faith. And if you have faith, you have people who find themselves called to organize faith or to lead faith or to proselytize faith or market faith. And you're going to have clerics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Um, so uh, if you're not 18, don't, don't go anywhere near what I'm about to say. Um, uh, Pat Oswalt, comedian, does a bit called Sky Cake, and and it's it's his take on the history of religion and how religion came into being was this Sky Cake, and uh, by a, a guy being in a tribe of you know cave people and getting tired of being picked on or beat up or you know the big big mighty warrior Uga kind of guy who's always in charge because well he's the big guy with the big club and will just kill me if if not so he says that you know he, uh, his ancestor or whatever probably went you know if you don't kill everyone when you die you go to a magic place in the sky and you can have all the cake you want and and so so it's a thing where he's like you know religion is like hmm it came about because someone wanted to be in power who knew that they needed to subvert the warrior class somehow <laughs> to to gain said power and uh um so yeah so there would like you said there there would always be someone to fill that gap um and 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 explain the 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 why's and the you know why is the sky blue well 
the gods like blue. Blue is like the ocean, and the sky is like the gods' ocean. See, we are just adrift in there, you know, yep. blah, blah, blah. You know, giant turtle back, you know, four elephants, you know, whatever the the, the, the theorem or, or explanation is, you know. Whatever science couldn't handle at the time, religion mm -hmm. fills in. Yes. Um, except for, again, what is the purpose? Mm -hmm. Science will never give life purpose, yep. unfortunately. Or fortunately, depending on your point of view. What's interesting too, um, Hidden Brain, Shakar Vidakdom is a sociologist who has a podcast and blog called The Hidden Brain. And he interviewed someone who wrote a book about the history of religion. And Oswald is not completely off the base. That if, you, <laughs> if you track religious systems over the, the centuries, mm -hmm. um, you, you see a progression in style of deity from a very... There are rules, and you will follow them, mm. to, which you saw a lot in cultures that were just starting to discover trade with each other, and you needed another system to make everyone behave when they were strangers, Yeah, to a more benevolent, a more like, hey, everybody have a hug or two, it's all good, we're going to figure it all out, <laughs> look out for each other, you know. <laughs> Be, be, be good to each other kind of groovy gods are when you have a more advanced society as a general rule where things tend to be a little more peaceful and a little more like we can trust you to follow the rules because A, we're not all scavenging all the time and B, we have other systems in place to make you follow rules. We've developed a constabulary. Right. We've developed a, a rotating guard. We've, yep. you know, we found systems. Um, so, so you have those options. I think... I think going back to the wish, mm -hmm. one of the only ways I could swing it honestly would be something like a, the gods take a break. Right. Um, and then talk to the player at the table and say, okay, well, hmm, you and I have a problem. And that's yeah. the cleric player. Like you and I got to right. figure this out because I want you to keep having fun, but we got to figure out how to get rid of clerics. What do you think we should do? Yeah. The um and I wanna I wanna take what you're saying because I've got yep. a great example of it. Um they say I would love to see a non follower paladin. Since oaths do not require belief in in God, it would be interesting if you would get a fantasy science based paladin. They have written into the rules that you can um uh you can be a paladin that has no 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 religion no god no follower it is their belief and their faith and their tenets and their oath that give them their powers um so yeah so they 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 have they have kind of gone that route um and so yeah i i kind of like the idea of of uh you know having a paladin who they have faith in whatever their oath is other humans the good of people the you know, whatever their self-righteous kind of fervor uh, leads them to think that would that would be pretty sweet to uh, to have something along those lines. Yeah, and that is something that that's another one of those newer things mm -hmm. that that they they did with the paladins to say, okay, let's let's kick it up a notch and give them some more uh, powers and opportunities with all of this. Which I, I really dig. Um, stripped away the alignment requirements and, you know. Well, the alignment requirements were always deeply problematic. Mm -hmm. uh, when you think about the idea of a paladin is supposed to be a champion of a cause. Mm -hmm. How do you do that and then say, but they have to be lawful good causes? Right. Yep. 
Um, and I get where they were going. They wanted Paladin to equal knight in shining armor. Right. And I think in some ways I could say you should be a lawful paladin. I think it's hard to, to swear an oath and be chaotic neutral. Right. I think that gets a little bit weird. <laughs> um, but that, that, now that I've said, I can see a chaotic good paladin. Yep. You know, certain idea, the ideals of a very, be bo very bohemian. Yes. I rob from the rich and give to the cheerleaders. Um, I mean, the criminally insane. Just no. stop. Just stop. <laughs> the poor, maybe? The poor? We're, yeah, we're the poor. men. <laughs> we're men in tights. 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 Exactly. Um, so, like, yeah. So there's there's that angle, too. Um, I do think there will be a lot of room once that wish fired off with that very creative one mm -hmm. to talk to the table, especially that one cleric player, though, and say, look, what, what do you think? Yeah. And and even do a thing where fundamentally they don't change i mean because you'd want to talk to them and and really work through it but i think that you know you could do a deal where they don't fundamentally change and they still have their spells and their powers and everything except now everyone they run into and every time they cast a spell the people of the world go Whoa! What is that? <laughs> you know how that work? Just... How that work without a god? Yeah, or 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 what kind of sorcerer are you? I you know type thing or you know witch? They're a witch. Um, you know. How do you know she's a witch? Turned me into a newt. A newt? Um, I got better. Um. So um. Well, it gets it yeah. gets to a big question, and this is one that I think very. We talked about magic one time. Um, I don't remember if it was a whole show on it. We just riffed on it for a stretch. Yeah. Um, but a lot goes into how in your world you see the, the, the way um, divine magic works. Mm -hmm. Is it an article of faith and therefore your faith becomes manifest because this is a fantasy world where you can do that? Or right. is it a product of a divine thing going, here, let me, let me push that for you right we'll uh we'll give you these the here is my my presence a bit of my power is now yours um yeah like when when a, a priest ca or a cleric casts revivify mm -hmm. is that the god has interceded because they prayed or is that the prayers are so powerful on their own they spontaneously create a miracle right as it were right. now or or even is the weave <laughs> is the weave the the sheen of magic and then the divine is yet another weave effect they're drawing from this so there's all this belief the humans have all this belief and and and, and fervor or you know psychic energy or whatever that feeds into the into the universe that creates a a, a divine magic pool for certain individuals to draw from um there's a uh, um a book series uh the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. Mm -hmm. I think it's Jim Butcher. Butcher um, and one of my favorite bit because I I'm an atheist and uh, but one of but I love I love magic and and religion and and where you where they take it and they make it like 
real. Like I love Supernatural and Hellboy and Constantine and, and, and all these things where, okay, what if devils were real, you know, and that type thing. And, uh, you know, there's oh, they are. warriors. Who, my yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> I've met a few myself. Um, the, uh, but in one of the books, I will never forget. He, uh, Dresden picks up, uh, Michael's holy sword. And I get goosebumps. I get goosebumps every time I think about it. Uh, he picks up, he picks up Michael's holy sword, and he's like, "Whoa!" Because <laughs> he he as a wizard feels that faith magic, <laughs> and he's like, "Wow, that's powerful!" <laughs> you know, he just he, he taps into the 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 divine weave, as it were, and it's like, you know, just over overwhelmed by it and i i love that holy holy spirit sort of uh energy so yeah and that's and that's the thing is that that's one of those where there's so many different angles you can take um i'm a big wish spells i have a weird history with because i remember people spending hours and hours and hours crafting the perfect wish <laughs> and i've always been like that's such a like I don't think that was ever the intention. Right. But yeah, and I appreciate that that ear. And it's it's weird to see how you can believe certain things and not other things and still find entertainment in either the study of them as like an academic study versus the um, appreciation for how it could work in a fantasy setting. Especially with the idea that maybe you don't, if you think about it, in a, a polytheistic society which most dungeons and dragons games are faith is a weird thing because you can have faith you you have faith in one god and it's weird to have faith in more than one but you acknowledge more than one exists well and the fact that and or, this is yeah. one this is one that um so um i was an anthropology history hmm. you know major at one point and um it was it was really interesting. I have a friend who was and has a master's degree in philosophy, and it's always interesting when when we would play in a game because he would have this sort of different take on on how the religion and stuff you know fit into the world, and how the fact that well, of course you believe in the other gods because I mean the evil priest over there cast freaking lightning at us. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I, how could, that is proof that there is gods and, and, and God they manifested right there. You know, I, you know, uh, the Drew or, uh, the cleric cast revivify on, on Grungar, the barbarian, and he rose from the dead. Of course there's gods, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you and I are chatting over here in the chat. You know, he br he brought up that the Greeks have uh, had twelve gods and two hundred lesser deities. Mm. Uh, and I said, "Well, yes." Yeah, then the Romans stole them. And he replied, <laughs> exactly. "Which is fine because they added more drama and made them more interesting." <laughs> yes, yes, they did. And that's you know the Romans. They were freaking good for all the bad they did. They were mm -hmm. really good at finding what they were like the original Borg. Yes, <laughs> they found what each culture had worked out. And then they like adopted it in and went, let's do that. Yep. <clears throat> that worked. Let's do that. Remove the power <laughs> from the female gods. Yeah, that is true. The Roman women 
Roman female deities were definitely not as 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 cool as the Greek versions, which just speaks to the you know the the inherent um, lack of faith in themselves that the Romans had among their men, lack of confidence that they had, uh, to, they had, to, had to pull the women down. You can't have women gods, right? Right. But mm. um, <laughs> oh, the, the originators of toxic toxic masculinity. Let uh, yeah. <laughs> I yep yep not not gonna argue there not gonna argue at all we, um, we march north and we fight those gauls and they're like six foot tall and like 200 pounds they're monsters you know with all their mustaches and they eat nothing but cows how weird um anyway yeah so, that, that uh, worked that worked uh i would like to tell a wish uh story go for it so we played and i think it it, it was in the series with the Palace of the Silver Princess. Something Crystal Cave. Can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure the module is in a box somewhere here. We played it, and at the end of it, the uh, the caretaker of the Crystal Cave gives gave us each a wish. Now, I don't know if this is in the, is in the module or if it was what the DM gave us at the time. Well... I was playing Cavalier, second edition, blah, blah, blah. I held my wish. I asked, may I hold my wish and, you know, at some time later on make it. And the the, the, the little leprechaun-y, you know, semi-planar being, whatever, said, oh, of course, you may keep your wish. And so everybody else was like, plant, 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 plus five defender, you know, they, you know, they, you know, plus six armor, you know, whatever. Um, and... Uh, so I held mine. So two years later, in 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 real life, in in real time, we were still playing the same campaign. Two years later, we we're like, I don't know, fifteenth level or something like that. We're fighting Asmodeus. Uh, the wizard throws up a wall of iron in front of Asmodeus. Asmodeus starts to push it down. My character has the belt of whatever giant strength, and he's holding it up. Asmodeus is on the other side, casts heat metal, immune to heat damage. So he's still pushing on it. Poor, poor, my poor uh, cavalier of Ivy. Uh, he's holding it. He's burning. He's dying. Asmodeus is about to come through. The metal is red hot, you know, kind of thing. We're about to be F. All of a sudden... In game, it clicked, and I, I just, I was, you know, I was like, oh, you know, acting, doing the thing, and then I went, I wish, and everybody went, uh oh, what, what? <laughs> and I went, I wish you would return to your plane of origin, never to return here, and. <laughs> And everybody at the table, it was one of those D&D, &D, holy crap, the Fae, you, you, you saved that wish, you know? And of course, the DM was like, oh, you so got me. And so he's like, bam, you know, Asmodeus is gone. For 666 days, you will, you know, not be, uh, you know, uh, tortured by Asmodeus. And so, so yeah, it was, it was really cool that, you know, the wish came in. At a clutch moment that we saved it and were you know able to to do a thing it was it was really good because that was the type of character he was um that the material things weren't what mattered so um 
so yeah, so it, it was fun and, and good. And uh, so I will say as advice to those of you who want to like rip out a wish and be like, oh, I want the acts of Dwarvish Lords or whatever. Think on it. Maybe it might be something to put in your back pocket for that, that, that clutch moment, you know? And then I'll, I'll tack on to that as the guy who, who's constantly trying to come up with good challenges and interesting story arcs. Mm. Let your DM have some story arc before you pop the wish to end it. <laughs> you know, like if, if you know you've got a pocket wish and, and the DM has set up a, a six week campaign of tracking down this demon and getting rid of him and the demon appears, it's like, I will be a plague upon you for the coming fortnight. You will rue the day you stood against me. Now go try to block my machinations. And you go in at like 15 minutes into session one. Um, I wish you back to your plane of existence. <laughs> I'm I'm really sorry. We're gonna have some some harsh words for each other. Flip the table. Like, okay, so what are we doing tonight now? <laughs> yep. Just just saying, be be cool <laughs> on the rest of the table with what you do with that. Um, and if you have never seen it, you have to watch Gamers Two all mm. the way through. There is a wish in it. It is an amazing moment of of role playing at their at the fictional game table in the movie it's i highly recommend it i can say no more because i cannot spoil it right right i gotta look it's awesomeness is in the fact that it's it is what it is and look forward to we'll we're going to be doing at some point probably a watch along audio track no uh and i wanted to say to uh to mr killian there uh uh, Journey Quest, the character Glorian, is the best. <laughs> K- killing is honor. Um, you know, <laughs> just, he is an insane character. One of my favorite characters in any show I've ever seen. So, uh, yeah, if you've never seen Journey Quest, check it out. Again, same people. Yeah, same people, same production. Dead Gentleman company. Productions. Yep. So. Uh, fun, fun people. Um, we had another yep. thing that we talked that came up as a question at the beginning of last week's podcast that came in the chat and I went, that's a great idea. Let's pin it and talk about it after the review. And then our review ran the entire stream. So we didn't have a chance to come back to it. And that is what is our t- individual takes on monster player characters. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. You want me to start? No, oh, by all means take the table. All right. I adore playing monster characters. I have pretty much for the, I want to say the last, the last, everything but masks where we were superheroes. So we had to be human to begin with. And even then I almost played the monstrous playbook in there, but everything for like almost a year, if it was an option to play a monster, I played a monster. Uh, I was in a charity one shot. I played a goblin, a goblin roguificer, a goblin rogue artificer split levels, uh, multi-class. Uh, that was a lot of fun before you. that, before that I played Hugurk, the, uh, bugbear. Uh, um, that was in the, uh, what's it called? Acquisitions incorporated campaign we ran over on, uh, in- indoor adventures. And in that I, I was Hugurk and he was the cartographer. So they were all like these, it's like the office but with D and D that's the acquisitions incorporated thing is these like, you're, you're all part of this, this horrible company that is all about acquiring treasure and, and, and being adventurers. So it's like an adventurers guild 
the game kind of deal. Uh, so yeah, I adore playing um, monster characters. One of, uh, as a fa- as a matter of fact, Indoor Adventure and LB Hackamup, two super friends of the show, we love very much. Their very first streamed game was with me and all three of us were monsters. We were monster characters. I was Balouche, the uh, kobold sorcerer, uh, basically a pyromancer, you know, <laughs> kobold. And then um, LB was a very shy, a, a very shy Wan uh, T, and so snake, snake person. And uh, Indoor was a dragonborn because, um, you know, basically the Wan T and the kobold had just come out in Volo's Guide to Monsters as player characters. And so we were all cranked about it. And that was over on Sir Lucian's channel. So, yeah. So I adore playing monsters because, again, you know, I've been playing for 44 years now. And so playing playing another elf just you know even though there's like 26 kinds of elves now and i still need to play some of them because i've been working my way through um all the races and all the classes in in fifth edition when i was doing like five streams a week it was pretty easy and i was ripping through them but now that i'm doing one campaign at a time it's much harder um. I hear you. <laughs> so now it's interesting is i am coming at this from the exact opposite side Nah. When I'm running a game and someone goes, "Oh, can I be a kobold?" My next question is, "What? What's wrong with a halfling?" Well, I, I well, I really want to have that that tie-in with being a dragon. That's the most important part. Yeah, so dragonborn. And it's like, because I've I've had those experiences where people seem to want to take a monster care. My I've I've been ruined by negative experiences. Ah, gotcha. where okay. where somebody will say, "I can't wait! I really want to play a goblin in the game." I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. I guess we'll try it." And then we're an hour into session one, and he's consciously like picking fights with the guards mm. because you know I'm a goblin. It's what I do. Like, yeah, but you'd be a dead goblin if you did it for more than an hour. <laughs> like you're a goblin who survived level zero, right? You you can't do that. Well, but it's what my character would do. Oh God. We're back at that. We're Harvey. back at that. <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting too because I I'm the person who who I'm not big on. I'm not good at keeping track of all the different quirks mm-hmm. that go into all the different races, and so right. some of like the new ones that are now not monstrous races, they're just races. It's like okay, and you can do what again? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that'll be interesting to work around. Um. So I'm I'm a bit more Tolkien-esque. I like my mostly humans, maybe a couple of halflings, an elf or two to make it interesting, and the, the one dwarf that, for whatever reason, is not digging for treasure. <laughs> I get too much of it. It's piling up right back there. I gotta... <laughs> yeah. But that's that's kind of where I'm at. I think a lot of it, though, comes down to, like, the players. You know, yeah, if we're having fun. Don't you have a tiefling and a genasi and stuff in in your current candlekeep game? Yeah, I mean, I I 
you know, yeah. <laughs> fourth edition, I absolutely love the commercials with the, you know, the tiefling and the gnome and they've switched and the gnome is like, I'm a monster, you know, and, and I, all that. And I, so, cause I will say at first I was like, I, I don't know. I thought you know, like when fourth hit and tiefling. Okay. Yeah. It, for me, it wasn't much of a big deal because back in second edition, they had written in, I think it was Dragon Magazine or one of the splat books, there were Cambians, which were half demons, which are yes. half fiends, where that's where that's where the tiefling, the whole tiefling line came from was, was back then and, and through that. And so um, so I was ready for that one. And then Dragonborn, you know, we had had dra Draconians because of uh, Dragonlance. And uh, so I was really... Um, really fun. By the way, if you're not yeah. familiar with Draconians, yeah, um, they were Dragonborn bad guys. Mm -hmm. And they all had a quirk that they all died in a really inconvenient way. So like the, the first round, they turned to stone when they died. Which yeah. is fine if you don't have your sword in them at the time. Right. Yeah. Which, which is where the meme of things like, you know, um, a Rapunzel swinging her frying pan, mm. um, going, wow, this thing's really cool. And then it cuts to the next picture's Tika wailing going, then they're done that. <laughs> cause, cause in the, in the book, right. they figured it out. So she starts killing draconians with a cast iron frying pan. Mm. And it's like, oh yeah, that's, I mean, we all, every, every kid who read Dragonlance in the 80s was, was torn with the, so who do you pick? Kitiara or Tika? You got, you can only have one. Which one are you going with? Um, and that's a lot about you as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, um, so yeah, there, there was a dragon, uh, a dragon, um, uh, dragon magazine used to always do an April Fool's episode where they would take all the worst questions all the worst questions and 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 repost them on april fools and one of them was if you were to take two two wingless bozak draconians and fire them from a trebuchet blah 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 how much damage would they do <laughs> just like uh stop stop yeah um it was it was really um it was really good timing for fifth edition to to come out when it did. My girls were really little, but I re I because I used to be a very you know I want my D and D Tolkien s, mm -hmm. and you know I want a dark gritty fantasy world and so on and so forth and and all that. Um, but. I really started to change with fifth where I was like, let's, let's have some, you know, I, I finally allowed Warhammer fantasy battle or fantasy, uh, RPG, uh, infect my, <laughs> my D and D. And I was like, guns. Yes. Airships. Why not? Pet, you want to ride a Griffin? How are you going to get the Griffin? You know? <laughs> I put it up to them to to do these things and and such. Um, so is, yeah, I've really loosened up, which is interesting too because um, one of the guys playing uh, tomorrow night mm. is made an artificer and really wanted guns. 
Mm. And I was like, ah, I don't know about guns. I'm not sure how I feel about guns. Well, they're in the books. Mm. Like, well, yeah, because well, then here's what got me. Of the amazing artist who did this amazing graphic we have down below that represents our podcast, uh, Danae Keener of DanaeKeener.com, um, is also playing in it. And I didn't catch it, but when she joined my D&D Beyond campaign, all of her source books came into the campaign uh, source material. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where you're getting that there are guns because I've been writing games for a year now on D&D Beyond. I haven't seen any guns or anything. And then I look, I'm like, what are all these races available to me in your <laughs> creation? Why? What the? What the? What? 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 What manner of magic is this? And it's like, oh, because I know it's not Momo. I, I adore her, but she hasn't played D anD D in forever. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I know it's not Liz because she doesn't have anything on D anD D Beyond because she doesn't do online gaming usually except with me. So I'm like, where are these coming? Like, That's where. Mm hmm. Um, but I'm I'm still like part of my brain with guns, and this could be a whole episode onto itself. Goes mm. to the why would you experiment with blast powder when you can hire a mage? Again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I again, I it was the because I like yeah. I really have always loved Warhammer and Warhammer Fantasy, and, and yeah. But I but I always kept the two apart. Mostly because most of my most of my D and D players, particularly Muddy and my bro, are more Tolkien esque in their in their D and D, and it's really hard to to. It was really hard to bring my bring my you know chaos magic and you know ha ha ha. Of course, dwarves have dwarves have guns because they don't have magic because you know they're dwarves. They're dwarves. And, That's what they know, do. So, and so so yeah, it was. Uh, um, yeah. You know, a lot of the trepidation was from there. Well, and it's, it's so, funny because yeah. I mained on World of Warcraft a dwarven hunter for years, <laughs> and I never, I refused to take a bow. Like, I yeah. turned down chances to roll on epic bows mm -hmm. because I'm like, I'm not using a bow. It doesn't look, the, the, the dwarf plus bow animations look wrong because they've got, you know, their chest is as wide as their arms are long. Mm -hmm. They, they yep. can't hold the bow and blow a, do a full pull. Because it's not going to get back to their faces. Their chests right. are too big. Um, and uh, and so I get it. And I, I did kind of relent. And I'm not going to give them too hard a time. Because statistically, they should. This is what's weird, too. They should work like a crossbow. Except, realistically, even a trained soldier can't reload a pistol and shoot it in the same combat round. In the same six seconds. Yep. It just can't, if you allow for two, even allow for a second to aim it, you need three more combat rounds on average to reload it. Right. Um, which is one of those weird, like D and D takes a lot of liberties with the mechanics. And I know that's what happens, hmm. <sighs> but so, yeah, I, we, let's, yeah, let's pin that and maybe come uh, back to maybe... monster races. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, but let's definitely come back to it because I've got tons to stay, say about it. Because of course, <laughs> I you know I, I do indeed like me uh, some shooting goodness and uh, and and whatnot. And so we'll uh, definitely come back to that. We will point. come back to that for sure. Um, um I th and you're right too. My candle keep game. I have uh, a half elf, a full elf, and two genasi. 
Oh, it's two Genasi. Two Genasi. One was a tiefling. Anyway. No, it's a, it's a water and a fire Genasi. And they're the that's ones that are crushing right. on each other. That's right. And they don't admit it out loud. And it's right. it's really sweet because they are clearly crushing on each other. Nice. Um, yeah. And they play it so darn well. And I think that's why nobody liked Gerald is like they could tell Gerald was there to flirt with, with Ember. And like, no, <laughs> Ember has a girlfriend. She doesn't want a boyfriend, let alone Gerald. Um, I did. I did like that. It has come into your memes in in your in your Discord chat that now Gerald has has, oh, yeah. has his own memes. People are making for it. Oh yeah, yeah. I I truly appreciate the anti Gerald memes just because it shows that it just shows a level of commitment that I find highly flattering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I get it, and I think I think most of my trepidation with monster races is not so much the why do you you know. What, what's wrong with the Tolkien races as much as just a fear as a DM, I'm going to get blindsided by random abilities mm. that I didn't know that they had or that my, the story arcs are going to get derailed. Cause again, I'm more mm. of a roller coaster writer than a sandboxer. Right. Are right. going to get derailed by somebody going, but I'm a, but I'm a hobgoblin. I can do this. And yeah. I'm going to do that. Cause that's what hobgoblin, that's what hobgoblin tradition says I need to do. And, and I can find access. So I was like, Wait, 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 wait. Well, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. Well, it's right here on in in this source book. It's right. It's in this little sidebar on page three hundred and five. Um, oh. that's and that's one of my own limitations as a DM. I kind of know where my my comfort zones are. Yeah. So I get very nervous about stuff like that. That said, if everyone's having fun and the story continues, eh. Yeah. Um. Sometimes. So here's something to definitely uh talk about and it and it was a thing that now D is changing and, and and coming around to but but um how monstrous races fit into your world it you know would be something to to discuss you know yes you can be a goblin but sorry in you know x y and z cities goblins are you know second or third rate citizens or no because of you know the battle of grumgum mountain you know this dwarven town does not allow goblins you know mm-hmm. i mean i it, it, it d itself sets itself up for racism so speciesism i guess but anyway um so yeah that would be something else to talk about um yeah with that or to have characters who want to be an an outsider and be like oh yeah of course i want to be a fire genasi but i want to be like the fire genasi you know they they there's maybe four in the whole panacea continent here you know that that uh type thing and so you know i'm even going to take the far traveler background and you know they really want to play that up and um hey. so yeah so i think that would be the, the watch comes into the tavern we're looking for the fire genasi <laughs> oh her yeah okay because there's one in water deep right um right. Yeah. Oh, and, that, and that makes where D has done an interesting has has both made life interesting and challenging for itself because when they stripped away the the race races inherent alignments mm-hmm. which i think is a good decision i think modern climate being what it is it's 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 better to say look people's good or evil is based on the actions of the individual or the adherence to a society's rules which themselves may be good or evil but no one is inherently one or the other 
Yeah. It does also then create a lot more work for like, okay, so why does your town hate goblins again? Right. And then how do you play off the, well, it's a pretty justified concern because this whole goblin nation has done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's a big ask to ask people to like turn a blind eye to the goblin coming into town. Yeah. The, um, uh, I can't remember. The Man Who Would Be King uh, is the name of a movie. It's got Michael Michael Keaton and... Not Michael Keaton. Michael Caine? Michael Caine, thank you. Alfred from the Nolan Batman. Um, uh, and uh, Sean Connery in it. Oh, wow. And, and in it, and in it, the two of them are like Briti- uh, British colonial soldiers who break away you know after their service and they go to a, like a made-up nation some afghanistan type thing you know kaziristan sort of deal and they're going along and they're misadventures in that time period in the 1800s and and whatnot and and every every per- tribe they come across it's the people up the river oh very evil people very evil people they pee in the river when we do our laundry and then they get to the next village and it's the people up the river that are always the evil people. You know, every village is more yep. evil because they pee in the river when we're doing laundry, you know, today. So it it really is society perception and 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 causal effect, you know, if, uh, um, there's a, a storyline uh, fallout. Fallout is a great example. I am the chosen one. I have left the village and everybody, everybody you meet in the first fallout is like, oh, you're from the village. Yeah, sure. Great. Uh huh. And they treat you horribly. And in my head, I'm like, oh, everyone who comes from the village must be a real jerk to, you know, everyone because everybody knows who they are. You're some savage who came out of the mountains and you just take stuff and you look in every box and every box you open, you just take everything out of it, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's sort of a weird, yeah, it's hard to do, but but very cool. Very cool. And that is a big consideration. It's interesting too, because on one of my um, Facebook groups, every, every so often there'll be a little bit of a flare up of the what's wrong with the good old days of kick down the door, kill the monsters, take their stuff. Hmm. And, and I do think that the, one of the challenges that's come up is if you're not careful when you're running a game, you find yourself spending a lot of putting the energy into, well, how do we justify killing all of these, these bad guys? How do we justify enjoying a game where it's a tactical combat, where our goal is to kill the other side? And, and you have to have this, like, there has to be some weird conceit in here somewhere to go, but we can all agree these gnolls are bad and they deserve what you know, what's happening is justified. Yeah. And then depending on your player group, which I'm, I think I'm fairly lucky in that most of my players are not deep political scientists who really want to see a couple of good UN studies onto mm. the actual nature of knoll culture. They're like, right. okay, gnolls are bad. We're good. Let's kill them. Yeah. Um, because I do think that's one of the, the weird twists in this is that sense of like, either you have to have more conceit from the players or more GM work to say, go kill the gnolls and everyone go, yes, we should go kill the gnolls and not spend three game sessions. So like, but can we, can we negotiate a treaty? Maybe did we encroach on their, their tribal lands and they're just retaliating and instinctively are we, are we the baddies? 
Right, right, right. What, what, why do we have these armbands and those, this crisscrossy symbol thing? The skull. Is there, the skull is, there, is never a good thing, yeah, is it? Uh, what is, is that, are, we, are we the bad guys? Um, yeah. Um, and that's usually what, uh, uh, in, in most newer games, uh, it's either they are directly, I try when I DM, they are either directly attacking you or they are aligned with a, 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 a apocalyptic bad guy. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's very, you know, uh, <laughs> the Knowles. The Knowles are Nazis. That's usually the way they have chosen to be Nazis. They are not. Uh, they are not poor conscripts put into the Wehrmacht and and, and thrust forward into uh, yep. Amer- American guns. Um, How do you so. handle an undead as a good character though, when they have native enemies? Well, the undead is a, undead is itself an interesting. Okay, this is okay. I'm really gonna have to trip out your brains. Mm-hmm. I would be more likely to be on board with an undead PC than I would a goblin PC. And here, well, here's the thing. In every bit of lore I've ever seen, no, very few undead opt into it. <laughs> like there's, there's liches. There's mm-hmm. some vampires, not yeah. all. Right. And that's about it. Like mm-hmm. liches like very much opt in. Yeah, most major vampire villains totally opt in, but like lesser vampires, a lot of them didn't pick it. Like they they went out for a date and their their date got murdered, and then they woke up in a coffin and they're like, "Crap, now what?" Right, I'm really hungry. Ooh, look, neck, nom nom nom. Um, mm. I think it's very possible to have a a very sociable vampire. Mean, now, bear in mind, I hated Twilight with a burning passion. <laughs> And someone said, well, if you hate it so much, why don't you write your own vampire novel and do better? And uh, and for one summer, I did. Mm, mm-hmm. And I, I wrote a, it was a web novel. So I, I put right. it out every week about Regan Fairchild, vampire, and CPA. <laughs> and, um, and it was, I mean, she was just, she was just doing her best. She was just doing her best. <sighs> Um, and, and dealing with, and I, I was really proud of what I did with mm. her as a care as, as like, as, like the, the, my version of vampire, I was really mm-hmm. proud of because I, I got, I ditched a lot of things I found problematic. Um, and I found ways to make like her, her gift was called the silver tongue mm. where she could talk her way out of any situation as long as she brought up money. Oh, okay. So, right, like, she, cool. she talked her way out of getting murdered by a bunch of hunters by convincing them that their entertainment per dollar was not going to be the return on investment when spent <laughs> on bullets to shoot her. If they all bought PlayStation 4s, they would get eight times the entertainment hour per dollar. <laughs> and and when she slipped out the back, they all had their phones out, and they were all trying to order the the, the latest PlayStation bundle. Right, right, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and, and that's how I wrote that like that arc for her was like that was that was her bloodline's power is the 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 ability to talk through manipulations. Um, yeah. But um, I think that that's the weird thing with the undead though is you have that sense of like, well, what what do you do if you you're an intelligent undead? Mm. you still you truly do get to choose and you could go back to being good 
I mean, right. how many how many movies and TV shows have we seen has the has the uh, the Louis vampire for every Lestat? Right. Where they're exactly. trying to do the right thing. Yep. What do they do? What then? What do they eat? Aren't they like? Mm. Aren't they going to run out of bad entities? Well, again, it depends on how you define your vampires. Again, like right. the Louis of the world from Interview with the Vampire will will feed on animal blood. Yeah. More than human because they know that it's wrong to eat people. Yep. Um, now that varies a bit. I think Angel on Buffy tended to kind of get a little gray yep. with what well, he would nom on. And, and, you know, there were always like uh, big quarts of pig's blood and, and stuff around there. One of the best episodes was when um, uh, uh, Chris, Chris... Spike? No, Christina Carpenter's character. I can't remember Charisma. the name. Charisma. No, 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 um, no. It's no, Charisma, Charisma Carpenter, Carpenter who played Cordelia. Cordelia. Thank you. She she has been temporarily turned vampire and she's standing in the kitchen with the fridge open and she's like, glar, glar, and it's just blood running everywhere. And Angel walks in and goes, oh, God, it, really? Is that what I look like? <laughs> <laughs> he's just taken aback by like oh see my, my favorite yeah. was spike taking the the novelty mug out of the microwave to oh, drink yes. blood out of it he had like a i love librarians novelty <laughs> right. mug right and it's like yeah bad human blood is okay for good vampires and that's like that's weird and they the von richten's guide i almost did this for my wednesday night game because mm. liz kind of like looked like she was dumping on me to have to make a character for her and i'm like she's mm. gonna get stuck with this reborn Right, she's gonna it. get like the undead character race character because she's mm -hmm. making me make her character. So I'm gonna have fun with it. Yeah. Um, but they they introduce that idea of the you know make an elven reborn where it's mm -hmm. like you were dead and now you're not. What do you do? And there's yeah. some, some good role play possibilities there. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous stuff you can do with it, and I think that that's, I mean. You know, both you and I played many, many sessions of vampire, you know, type games, uh, you know, in the world of darkness system. And uh -huh. so, yeah, there's there's a lot of things you can do with it, you know, particularly vampires. They are either the like the Louis or the Lestat. You know, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be eating people. They didn't ask for this life. Or the I love being a vampire, <laughs> you know, and so, yeah. And do do you need? Yeah, do you need? Do you need human blood? Do you need? It depends on your world, vampire biology, physics, and and you know, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Now that um, said, I would also caution a group that the undead also represents somewhere somebody broke the natural order. Which mm -hmm. is very different than saying, let's be forgiving of a goblin PC because this goblin isn't like all the other goblins. Mm -hmm. Yes, every goblin that's come to town has been part of a raiding party that raped and pillaged and murdered, but this one's a good one. Whereas an undead, like uh, maybe a, an intelligent white, perhaps, as a, a, as a monster race, you then bump into the, yeah, but that white only exists because somebody pulled them out of a grave and put the whatever is making them intelligent back in them right or is something completely different driving that body and that's a little goofed up 
Yeah. And you're going to find that it's much easier for the, the world to react to go, yeah, no, we're going to have constant stress from that, which in some groups, yeah, that can be kind of fun. Yeah. Particularly if it's a part of a story arc or, or it, um, you know, becomes the, if it's in a one shot, if it's the clutch thing, that's going to, you know, spread them apart, that, that, you know, there's only one way to get through this trap. And fortunately you've got the guy who doesn't have to breathe, who can pass through the, you know, miasma, the, the, the death mm-hmm. miasma fog and, you know, cause he's already dead, you know? Um, so yeah and those those are those are ways to make it work and i it's weird i i'm much more on board with those but i think Mm -hmm. part of that goes to my history with monster with people who say i want to play a monster race my history is often tied to unfortunately players who have also been i've done everything else and none of it was fun i need to find a way to keep having fun and sometimes that cannot be a great spot to come to the table from right right my my history is not as kind because i didn't know you Years and years ago. I mean, just to be honest, the, the people I've played with that have had the, I got to be completely different this time out. It's been, uh, yeah. Okay, just don't break it for the rest of us. Well, I'll, I'll make sure I have fun. I know you will. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, they, I, can, I can see it. I can see it. So. Yeah. But, so, they, and what's neat though, is that I think they are trying harder and harder to keep adding stuff in and play testing it. Mm-hmm. To say, look, this is another twist on it. Play with that. And there's some neat stuff even before I had access to all the monster races. Just the player's handbook. Yep. They've added so Is Gnome back as a race, by the way? Did they bring them uh, back for PCs? Yes. Yeah, they're okay. in fifth. They're they're a base a base uh They're back. A base species race, whatever. Yeah. For, uh, yeah. yeah, humans have halflings, dwarves have gnomes. Yes. <laughs> um so i really enjoyed pathfinder's take on the gnomes i i yeah because well because pathfinder just went let's have gnomes let's make them like world of warcraft gnomes you know just you know they're tinker they they're like the kender version of you know they kept halflings hobbity and Tolkien-esque, and they took gnomes, gnomes and went, be Kenders, you're tinker people, you're, you're, you know, you have purple hair because you're partial fae, and, you know, you got big, big ponytails, or, you know, a blue skin, whatever you want, go, you know, run with the gnomes, and like I said, they made them much more uh, World of Warcrafty, and so I had a lot of fun with them, you know, just making new and interesting characters in Pathfinder. Indeed. They, they've always done a neat job with, with playing with those. Okay, so we only got through two questions this time. So hopefully we got a couple more questions over the next couple of weeks because mm-hmm. this is fun. Yeah, It's fun to bring, to come to people where they're asking for some tips and, and bringing our 70-some-odd years of Dungeons & Dragons experience out for everyone to pick. Yeah. Um, so that would be that. I'm looking forward to more of these. And if you have emails that you want to send in, you want to be part of the stream or the show, and you have questions... Uh, the email address again is oldtimertavern at gmail.com. And you can also hit up at Lantern Noir or at Greybeard Tavern uh, with other thoughts. We are both relatively active on the Twitter. Um, I'm starting to get more and more of late. It's, 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 it seems safer than Facebook these days. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I'm there 
pretty much every day. Yeah. I, vacation, I, I, I slacked off a bit. But yeah, I'm almost always there for uh for some for some good tweeting interactions and, and whatnot. Yeah. So. so what's on your uh what's on your plate for the coming week? So to, uh, Thursday is supposed to be the finale of our masks game. So um yeah, um the um we're gonna have the the big reveal that that my love and my rival for my bull character are are uh, crushing on each other, and see how poor Cody takes that, um, and stuff. Uh, we've already we 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 didn't plan anything. We just said, okay, is this cool? And and just sort of we're gonna again we're gonna play it out. So we'll see if that happens. Um, that's Thursdays, 8.30 Eastern Standard Time over on Indoor Adventures. And, um, yeah, that's Mass. And then I'm back on Sunday morning where uh, I'm playing Grifflands right now. We're winding down seriously fast. Uh, Smith, uh, a bad thing happened. I wasn't paying attention. I walked into a bad situation, got uh, technically killed. And I, you only have one do-over in in a character run, and I used my do-over and I started the day again, and uh, so this time I chose to murder my sister, and so um, yeah, so yeah, ouch, um, it's a it, but it's so silly and the, it's good art and animation and it really is lighthearted murder, I guess if there is such a thing um and yes smith is the character that i love to hate um so yeah we'll be wrapping that up sunday uh sunday 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 at 10 a.m eastern standard time and then back here on tuesday for more great old timer tavern uh fun lighthearted murder indeed indeed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome i'm geeked because i have new players tomorrow night Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to get to sit down with some people I haven't played with before, um, which will be a lot of fun. We're going to do the the first chapter and a half of uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Oh, yes. We're not going to do the whole campaign. Um, right, and right. and I, the more I look, I'm like, I don't want to do the whole campaign with the same group. But mm, we're, we're mm. going to be, if you're all familiar, we're gonna, the plan is over three weeks to get up through uh, Troll Skull Manor. Perfect. Which will have an interesting twist to it. That's they're not right. going to inherit a tavern quite the same way. Yeah. Um, if you've played it before, you're familiar. I think I have a fun twist on it. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And and again, the artist Danae Keener, who did the of Danae of Danae who did the art below, is going to be one of my players. Um, and then Saturday is the big. I've been like working on this for months. Uh, the big one shot with Raven Arm, the Reluctant Hermit, the other Pond, and Lenarius. We're going to run the original Ravenloft as it was originally intended. So like Ravenloft first, first, first edition, but with fifth edition rules. Perfect. So that's, that'll be a lot of fun. And hopefully we'll get back to Curse of Strahd on Sunday. And you're hoping that you'll be able to run that at like, uh, I forget, Dragon Con or a con at some point, right? Um, The the Ravenloft one? I want to run that at every convention I go to. Nice. That's my plan is when we get back into a regular con season, I looked at Gen Con this summer because they're having it in August. And I said, I can't, I can't do it yet. I'm not yeah, ready. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm just, just not ready yet. Um, Yukon yep. is in November. It's a much, much smaller con in Southeast Michigan, but it's yep. my, one of my friends helps run it. 
that will probably be my first con going back out. Nice. It's a chance to go to that one because it's little, it's local, um, and it's, yeah, that'll be the start. I, I've got the shirt. I should say something about it. What's that? You said something about cons. Marmalade Dog uh, is a, a, a Michigan convention. It's on oh. the campus of Western Michigan University. Beautiful campus. We started, we started that convention, me and Tavern Sparrow started that in 1991 or 1992 and it's a student-run organization it's one of the largest um role play uh mostly role play conventions in michigan and uh i would say if you can check it out um i think it is www.marmaladedog.org um so you can you can always check that out and then and and see there and if ever you want to meet me I'm always there. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that sounds like a great plan. Um, if you're one of our podcast listeners, thank you for coming, uh, for downloading the show. Please, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify to help other people find the podcast. Uh, we will be back here again uh, next week, again, putting out an episode for you. So check your stream. We're at the same channel with the same great D&D content. So until the next time, until your next download, stay safe. And for everybody that's here live, where should we ship you out? Because sharing is caring, and I do feel obligated somewhat to send you somewhere. Where should we go? Ooh, that button's not working. Darn it, I didn't check that button. <laughs> uh, well, my stream deck has like a, a raid button that doesn't always work. No. <sighs> it's a lot, a lot. I got a lot of moving parts going on over here. I'm so glad I'm day that you have the working parts and I I can just be a diva and you know be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, I can just let's be a, see. a diva and you know be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> ooh, ooh, quiet you, quiet you. Don't make. Oh, well there we go. I'm gonna send you guys over to one of my players from Saturday. Ooh. Uh, Very nice. That other pond is currently playing Fortnite, and she does a crap ton of D and D work on her stream. And she's looking forward to being a D and D. She's she's going to be DMing, but I think she I'm going to like keep adopting her as a player mm-hmm. over the coming nice. weeks um, because she's just a fun like like all DMs. Oh wait, I don't have to prep. I can just play. That is an incredibly attractive uh, proposition. Raid! Raid! So we'll send you over there. Um, And thank you for coming by. The video will be up on YouTube tomorrow. And um, I love how they keep not liking that. Um, Yeah, she's really prepped up. Um, Sissy, who's another uh, streamer, um, and a few other people are, the, are all going to be players in her game. And she's really, nice. she's been putting so much work into prepping them. Yeah. I, she needs to get them committed to a date. That's the mm. hardest part with all of this. It's just locking your players into a, and this is when we're going to play. That is, yeah. that is the sticker. And that's why, like, you know, the thing on Saturday, I'm like, we all have a really crazy schedule. I'm just glad we made one work. Yep. Um, so yeah we'll go show her a little bit of of affection and everything on the back end of this so any parting thoughts as the the raid timer ticks down 
uh yeah get out there and don't be afraid to i'm a monster um you know <laughs> unless your dm is uh hesitant <laughs> amen to that we'll see you all next time Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern is a proud part of the Inverse Genius Network of Content. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. They give valuable feedback for the hosts and help others find this amazing content.